listening to the all-new Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Every week when I hear that introduction, I make a mental note. Oh, get new liners recorded. But then I forget, and yet I enjoy that a year and a half later, it's still the all-new show. Uh, how are you feeling tonight? Are you refreshed because you had an extra hour of sleep? Uh, I did. I felt really great. And I, I just tweeted, actually, that uh, daylight saving time was really awesome up until about 5.30 p.m. Then it felt a lot less amazing. But I know people who have children or pets uh, did not enjoy the uh, clocks going back an hour because babies and dogs, they can't tell time. Um, perhaps you are recovering from a sugar coma because you still have leftover candy or uh, maybe you raided your kid's trick-or-treat stash. The weather wasn't that great uh, Halloween evening, so I'm curious how many of you still have candy left over. You can always text me at 71010. Let me know, uh, I guess, the um, sugar quantity in your household right now and how you plan to get rid of it. That seemed to be the main concern of a lot of people on uh, Facebook and Twitter over the weekend, which was, how am I going to get rid of all of this candy? How can I keep myself from gorging on all of it? Uh, now, every week when I prepare for the show, I uh, take a look back through my calendar just to see what I was up to because I have a very short-term memory. Um, so, you know, things like meetings, appointments, you know, those that doesn't interest you, usually doesn't interest me. But uh, sometimes I get a, you know, I get an early peek at like a new store or a new product or a new restaurant that's open somewhere. So I look through my calendar and I see if I saw or experienced anything interesting that I might want to share with you. Um, or if there was something timely that happened in the city that might be worth discussing. So I look back to see what sort of big stories happened. And you'll notice I don't spend a lot of time on news stories during the show because chances are you've heard them play out for days and if something happened on Monday, by the time I talk about it on Sunday, you're, you're probably a little tired of it. But uh, Election Day, of course, was this week and I can't believe it was only a couple days ago only because this week has felt like so many things happened during it that I can't believe uh, our big Election Day was just, uh, you know, on Tuesday. Um, when I was registering to vote because I wasn't on the voters list because I had moved in recent years, there was a guy in his mid or late 30s who was ahead of me. And um, so he was registering as well. And then they gave him his ballot card and he asked the volunteer, so I vote for just one mayor? And I was a little concerned about that because we were about the same age. And I thought, I thought it was really clear how many people you vote for. Um, and of course, the other story that a lot of people have been talking about this week is the firing of CBC radio host Gian Gomeshi. And I know a lot of people were saying, you know what, maybe we can have a Gian free weekend because it's just been, there's just been a lot of um, upsetting news that has come forward through the story. So the allegations of assault and violence that have surfaced from many women. And if you listen to the station through the week, then you've heard a lot of experts and people weighing in and analyzing uh, what we know so far. And, uh, you know, during the week, you'll have a lot of people with expertise or experience that allows them to shed light on the story in a much better way than I can. You know, I can give my two cents, as can everyone else. Um, what I do want to say about this, though, is I think it's really great that people are talking about harassment and violence and that many women who aren't 
involved directly with Gian's story have come out to share their own experiences and reasons for staying silent. And each story, I think, helps another victim feel more comfortable and less judged about coming forward. So it's been nice to see the support of the online community as well, making women feel more comfortable. Um, a really great hashtag to look up if you are on Twitter is one that is been raped, but sorry, been raped but never reported. It's a very eye-opening series of tweets by women who are basically sharing their stories in 140 characters or less. And uh, it's great to see this community of women supporting each other. But it's also really shocking and depressing to see how many women have stayed silent. So I really encourage you to um, to look it up, uh, read some of these tweets and stories. I mean, both men and women, I think, can, can learn from this. And uh, we can also learn how we react to people when they share these stories. Um, so probably the most serious I've ever been on the show. So let's get back to normal. Coming up in the second half of the show, what, <laughs> I should be able to read this properly, is what is in your medicine cabinet doing you more harm than good? And what should you be keeping at home in your medicine cabinet, making sure it's stocked for any sort of emergencies? And no more sad desk lunches or cold pizza delivery. A new service in town is changing the corporate lunch hour, giving offices access to some of the city's best restaurants, bringing you quality meals straight to work. But uh, my first guest who's in the studio with me tonight has very quickly spread lobster love all over Toronto. Um, you may have heard of Rock Lobster, if you're anywhere near downtown Toronto on any given night. It was a fun spot that opened up. Uh, first location was Ossington, soon expanded to Queen Street West, also Leslieville. Chef and owner Matt Pettit has uh, just come out with a great lobster cookbook from claw to tail. Love having you in here, wearing like your plaid as well. You represent the East Coast very well. That's it. Very, very, uh, very Canadiana, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So the book has... A hundred recipes in it. I would have never thought there are a hundred ways to cook lobster. I know that's the uh, the million dollar question. People are like, "Oh my god, how many how many uh, recipes can you make with with lobster being the the hero of the dish?" But uh, you know what? With a lot of creativity and a lot of long long nights and uh, and coffee, it was uh, it was definitely definitely a challenge. But we we had a lot of fun doing it. Now you also have uh, some recipes uh, from some top chefs in the city. They contributed some of their their favorites. Yeah. So the whole process of the book was amazing. And uh, when uh, Random House went to approach me to say, hey, let's do this book. Part of the idea is sort of really bring in the community aspect and, you know, the collaboration that's happening between other chefs uh, all throughout Canada and, and into the States as well. And so in the book, you know, we've got Top Chef, we've got uh, obviously uh, Mark McCune, which is amazing in there and such an amazing uh, institution that he is. You've got Claudia Prile, which you know, has Origin Restaurants and mm -hmm. MasterChef Canada host. Uh, you've got Roger Mooking. He is an amazing celebrity chef and, you know, of many different restaurants. He has a place in the airport opening up. Rocco Agostino as well. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, you know, happening and uh, with Pizza Libretto family. And they've got amazing pizzerias popping up, a new one downtown. And uh, not, you know, least but not last but not least, uh, Chef Rob Gentile. Mm -hmm, uh, from Buka. Part of the Buka family. Who, yeah. You know, I, I you know I can't say enough good words about this guy. He's teaming up with Jamie Oliver, bringing a restaurant concept here to Toronto, and you know it's it's really something to have the star power of these chefs contributing 
And I just asked him, I said, guys, do you mind, you know, the book is around lobster, you know, here's my recipes and here's what I'm doing. And I'm putting my, my blood and, you know, heart and soul. And the guys were like, let's do it. Let's, I'd love to put a recipe in. And they obviously put their own recipe with mm-hmm. their twist, you know, to their type of food. So basically you got some of the busiest chefs in the city to I, contribute I'm, a recipe for your book. It's unbelievable. <laughs> you know what? I, I have to say my, uh, the editor that worked with me on this one was on a couple of them, a couple of the gals, Zoe and, and Katie were absolutely amazing. They did a lot of the tracking down of the guys. Mm-hmm. They were like, we need to get in touch with them. Let's get them. But you know what I mean? As you know, chefs are very busy people. Everybody's yeah. busy nowadays. You know, part of the book is around that is sort of demystifying the you know fact of lobster should be scary, intimidating and taking, you know, time consuming where the book just shows you how to make lobster, you know, a million different ways, ultimately a hundred, uh, just over. <laughs> <laughs> just over a hundred. Just over a hundred. Now, the the thing with lobster is that uh, it's a food that most most people, even though I am a maritimer, you are. and I enjoy lobster every time I go home, and that's because my mom cooks it. Um, so being an expat who's lived in Ontario for 20 years, I don't cook lobster mm-hmm. for myself. Mm-hmm. I go home and I have it. I go out. And if I see it on the menu, I'll order. It's something that for some reason intimidates a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those sort of fancy foods, the things that something you go out and uh, it's like a baked Alaska. It You're is. not going to make that You're at home. You're not going to make that at home. I agree. You know what? I, it's true. I'd love to make a baked Alaska at home. But the, <laughs> well, no, why you bother? I'll go out and order it. <laughs> exactly. You know what? Some things are better left, uh, left off for the professionals to do. But at the end of the day, you know, that is the point of the book is mm-hmm. that you know, if you show people really that lobster, it doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be necessarily expensive. You know, prices have probably never been as good as they are, especially in North America for lobster right now. What's, Just, the, what's the going rate? Do you know roughly? Yeah. it, it You know, again, the person that makes the most is generally the middleman. Yes. You know, so if you're, you're being from Nova Scotia as you are, you know, you can. I should be importing them. You should be importing them and we could have a business together as well. <laughs> we could bring you in. But uh, no, I, you know, the person, if the, when the guys come off. You know, for example, Area 34 is open right now as we speak mm-hmm. uh, in, in southwest Nova Scotia. They get off the boat. They'll sell it to the, you know, the, 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 produ- the producers that are standing on the, on the shore itself. Yeah. And they'll buy. And right now, if I'm not mistaken, and don't quote me because I haven't looked for about a week and so, but, you know, they're selling for about f- maybe 350 to 450 But for us to buy it right now in most stores. In, in most grocery stores. So, I, you know, I, I was in a grocery store this morning and it was, uh, I was at Sobeys actually. Mm-hmm. They were selling it for 1099 which is actually not bad. Which is amazing because I have friends. I'm doing a cooking event in Calgary and mm-hmm. Halifax, part of this book tour. Uh, I'm out at Shark Cut, actually, in Calgary, which is an amazing restaurant with great chefs out there on the 18th. And uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, some of the retail pricing mm-hmm. is like $25 a pound. Okay, that's that's a little bit ridiculous. Right? Um, we're going to talk a bit more about, about uh, the book and also your restaurants and how quickly it grew in just a few short years and uh, making lobster just a, a less scary food. It's a scary-looking crustacean, but it it's is. not... It's not so scary to cook, apparently. So my guest is uh, Matt Dean Pettit from Rock Lobster Foods. Also got a great cookbook out right now. We'll be back after this quick break. This is the all-new Paychem Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Thanks for tuning in tonight. My guest in studio is uh, Matt Pettit, who just came out with a new cookbook. It's called The Great Lobster Cookbook, From Claw to Tail. He is, of course, the uh, chef and owner of Rock Lobster in uh, downtown Toronto. You've got three locations, is that correct? Three locations now. 
starting, but you started this only in uh, 2011. Yeah, the end of 2011, uh, the crazy idea all came about. And uh, early 2012, we started really going, starting as a pop-up company. I bought a really, really crappy food truck mm-hmm. that lasted for a very short period of time. But it was just <laughs> sort of the catalyst to like get me out of my old job and sort of push the envelope, so to speak. And so what was your old job? Because you weren't necessarily... Like, last week, we had um, Matt uh, from Fidel Gastro yeah, my boy and awesome. Lisa Marie here. Yeah. And the two of you, young young guys, yep. um, who didn't necessarily yeah. have all this cooking background. We've got some pretty interesting, you know, checkered past, checkered in a good way. The fact that we both have cooking experience past, but when we were younger. Yeah. And then he went on to do, uh, if I'm not mistaken, like copywriting and marketing. Mm-hmm. And I went into alcohol beverage. So when I was 13, skipping back, I, my first ever job was a, a busboy and a dishwasher. And at like 14, I got a position as a prep cook and uh, just sort of just sort of stayed in that area of hospitality, working in restaurants, both front of house and back house. I wasn't very good, truthfully, at the front of house. Um, <laughs> it takes certain skill. It does. And I do like to talk and I like to schmooze and I like to hang out. But at the end of the day, I knew that sort of my my passion was always in the back. And so I you know, cooked overseas in Scotland, but it just so happened. It was a lucky, you know, lucky day of fate. Uh, I went to university and in one of my last years, I got a job working for Labatt's uh, and I was a campus rep and that just sort of transcended. You know what? That sounds like the dream job of anyone in university Mm. to represent a beer. Yeah. And I played university rugby. Shout out to Grizzy and the boys, (laughs) but you should never give, uh, well, actually you should, you should really give because we were good. We were smart. We were responsible, but you know, giving young adults kegs and uh, say build brands oh on university, God. it was it was it was fun. That's a great job. Mm. You just work for beer. You probably didn't even care if you got paid. Well, no, it's true. <laughs> I don't even know if we did get paid. I think we, it was all. Maybe I'm still beer. waiting. Checks in the mail. <laughs> it's coming. So that's so then uh, you know you had those in between years. Yeah. So it skipped forward, and uh, I worked for about eight years, just under, for a couple different alcohol beverage companies. And uh, in my last one, uh, in early late 2000, 2011, Dana and I went out to my girlfriend and I went out to uh, Nova Scotia to actually one of our best friends' wedding out there, Darcy and Jenny, and we were having a great time. And I was like, "My God, there's lobster everywhere!" And I've always been around lobster. I've worked in seafood places for many years, and I was like, "There is not a lot of there's amazing oyster houses. We have Rodney's, mm-hmm. we have Oyster Boy, you know, which we have a great relationship with, and but there was nobody really doing shellfish lobster per se. And well, Red Lobster." For sure. And there is nothing wrong with Red Lobster. Absolutely. No, it's just that it's... It's a different vibe. It's a different vibe. It's different. It's and the Olive Garden of seafood. Yeah. It's actually owned by the same people. Yeah. So, you know, and there's nothing, truthfully, I say it with full full um, honesty, that there's nothing wrong with that kind of seafood dining experience, but we wanted to do something a little more. I want to make it a little more edgy. Mm-hmm. I want to make it a little more for everybody. And we want to have a great cocktail program and, you know, really creative sort of fun dishes and it sort of just lend itself. And, you know, you should be able to eat seafood, ultimately wearing a, you know, a very relaxed setting. You know, you are from the East Coast. I'm from Midland, Ontario. I'm actually from an, a lake, not an ocean. And people always say, oh, where are you from out East? I've just always had an affinity for it. And we've got friends and family and stuff out there. And I just really had a strong connection with it. And the idea was to sort of just make it fun, like, you know. That- right. So like, the so Rock Lobster, when you go in there, it's a very casual, it's, it's, Kind of like a bar atmosphere, it is, right? Yeah. It's super casual. You do like poutine, Caesars, whatever. So it's not. I think a lot of people associate lobster because it's a, a bit of a pricier food mm-hmm. with um, 
more formal dining, exactly. right? So you might go out and you might spend a lot of money on a dish. Now, lobster itself, is it's still not a cheap product. It's not. It's not. No, it's, it's not something that you're going to feed 12 people with and they're each going to get their own lobster and you think you're going to do that for under 100 bucks. Right. Um, so it's still a, a food that is a bit luxurious. Yep. But what you've, what you've been able to do is um, make it a bit more approachable. And that's just it. You know, the approachability of making it fun, making it really for everybody. You know, you can come out. You know, we do a lobster supper at all the restaurants tonight being Sunday for $25. And it's like, you know, all the trimmings, a big 1.5 pound Nova Scotia lobster. There's a that's lobster. a good deal, 25 bucks. It is, you know, yeah. in a restaurant setting, mm -hmm. you know, and you can, it's just fun. And we have a lot of kids come out, you know, especially at our Ossington and our Leslieville locations. And, you know, that's, that's what I love seeing. I get really excited and it, it hits me in the heart when I see, you know, kids and their family enjoying and, you know, guys coming in and having dates and it's like, you know, talking about and taking pictures and social media. And it's just, you know, we've got <laughs> to a really fun point where people should really enjoy, you know, you're laughing about it and we're talking about food, but this is what it's about. Friends, family, that's how I'm laughing be because eating a whole lobster is not a good for first date it's food. an amazing <laughs> first date. Bibs, <laughs> come on. Lobster bibs. And you have to like use your hands. And you I'm do. like, ah, yeah, but it's I would fun. order something different off the men menu, like what? a on. sandwich. Like spaghetti or something? <laughs> yeah. You know just what I mean? a different dish. I agree. Um, now, tell me about, I guess, the learning curves of opening your own business because you've you've done well in a few short years. And that isn't just luck. That's hard work. And it's good timing, too. It's knowing when perhaps the city is ready for something new or a new trend and then being uh, and, and promoting it at the right time. So mm -hmm. that part of it is maybe luck, but most of it is hard work. Yeah, I, I think definitely luck without question has something to be said and is definitely involved with it. You know, hard work is, is, is the main factor in anything in any, in anybody's life and in whatever we do and, and we choose to, but you know, hitting that curve as whether it be a trend or, you know, really there was, there was a need, there was a real need for sort of approachability on these kind of things and this kind of food. And I've never actually made a trend or hit a trend at any other time. So it's, you know, chalk one up and it's one of those life changing moments where we just look back and go, okay, this is really cool. And, you know, I, I can't thank people enough because it's been an amazing ride. And, you know, just even how this cookbook came about, you know, sitting there at uh, two years ago in November, just we just passed the anniversary of it, mm -hmm. at the Canadian Cookbook Award show. Um, I met, had the ability to meet uh, Robert McCullough um, from Random House and Appetite Canada. And I literally, we just started talking and socializing. He goes, I would love to do a, a lobster book with you. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's my thing. Let's do it. And but at the time, were you confident that you had enough recipes or were you kind of like, I'm oh, just like fake it till you make it. Fake it till <laughs> you make it, pay. That's exactly <laughs> it. Like even with this retail line, opportunities present itself. But I think that's mm -hmm. it. And you sort of hit it. It's like lucky, hard work. But if you don't put yourself out there and and say yes to doing these things, then opportunities don't come your way. And, yeah. you know, positivity is the way I live my life. And so the, the book is called The Great Lobster Cookbook, From Claw to Tail, More Than 100 Recipes to Cook at Home. And uh, you've got things in here from like a lobster melt. You've got, I'm just flipping through it right now, um, the Happy Sailor Lobster and Scallop Thermidor, mm -hmm. uh, mac and cheese. You take mm. a lot of sort of the... Classics. The, yeah, the classics, mm. kind of rustic food, make yep. it a little bit uh, more upscale because you're adding a, a really great ingredient to it. Totally. What's your favorite way to eat lobster? Uh, you know what, truthfully, I'm, I'm like a classic guy. So if you give me, you know, a big, big fat lobster in front of me, you know, some crackers, a bib and some hot butter, like I'll just tear into that. And yeah. You know, maybe a little a cold beer and I'm, I'm good to go. Like, yeah, but, you know, that's the nice thing is you can always revert back to sort of the classics. But, you know, as you said, there's so many cool different ways, whether it be lobster deviled eggs and 
mm-hmm. showing people how to do a little bit of stuff with that, different soups and chowders and bisques and, you know, tacos and the thermidor that you talked about. We do different lobster desserts. So a lobster cheesecake. And- yeah, I wasn't sure about that. Awesome. Novelty? Novelty, non-novelty. No way. <laughs> no way, Jose. It's tasty. You know what? In anything, right? If you look at sort of spices and, and alignments, you know, vanilla mm-hmm. goes hand in hand with lobster. It's just yeah. a natural marriage. So looking at whether it be we do an ice cream in there. And so you're using real, you know, obviously vanilla bean and you're mm-hmm. using that and pulling it through and, you know, heavy cream and some spices. And it's just put it in the freezer, scrape it, put it back in and bring it back through. It's simple. It's easy. That is the main thing. It's like, you know, five steps kind of thing. Simple, approachable. Anybody can make it at home. You know, then it's just fun. So and would you say this is like lobster for dummies? I would like, you know what? Lobster for dummies. You know, dummies is a strong word, but, uh, you know, lobster for lobster for anyone, I would say lobster for the masses. I don't I don't mind calling myself a dummy when I don't know no, how to no, do something. For sure. I, <laughs> I, you got to for sure. Well, no, because you, you, you do break it down in the very beginning, you know, all the parts, the parts of the lobster, for sure. Um, you know, how to cook it, where how lobster might be different from the East Coast versus, yep. you know, tropical waters. Totally. Um, so, so just some of the right basics, there. See that? you know, so pictures of you growing up. My dad took that. Shout out to my mom and dad listening. Uh, your dad is a very talented artist, isn't he? he? Is. He's done a lot of the work in your restaurants. Yeah, Donald Pettit. So he and you've got it there. So part of the long, the, the lobster lingo and different hand-drawn illustrations are in the book. And then, yeah, he did. Uh, my dad is amazing. He did all the murals in the restaurants, which is super cool. So it's been a real, you know, family sort of tie-in piece. And my mom and sister have been emotional, amazing support <laughs> since day one. And, yeah, just really good you know, champions. What recipe in this book did you think was not going to work but we're uh, surprised that it actually did the lobster candy is one yeah uh, it's you know you've got obviously the savory and sweet that mm-hmm. was one that we definitely had to try through a few times the lobster ice cream is not definitely for everybody mm-hmm. talking of the desserts again um the rest you know what there it, it seems like there's some pretty crazy matches and and so forth but if you really think about it you know you can remove and make the lobster if you like say for example chicken you might be like, you know what? I love stir fries, but I'm going to remove chicken. I'm going to use lobster. Mm-hmm. So we're substituting one protein for the other. Right. And lobsters, you know, super, it's a great, great healthy food, actually. It's like nine times healthier uh, and leaner than chicken. Uh, you don't have to sell me on the benefits of hey, lobster. Hey, there we go. It's my favorite food, and I will eat it uh, three times a day. And, if and you're I, wearing if red pay. Is this is this part I, of this I today? Am. You, know, you know, I was channeling my inner cooked lobster. I love it. You look that great. That's what I was doing. Uh, so I know that you're promoting the book heavily right now, and it's also out just in time for the holidays, which is. is perfect. So it's a great gift. Um, we're just wrapping up right now. So for you, if somebody was to take a to pick a recipe from this book. To impress someone, mm-hmm. which one would it be? Which one should they do? I would do, uh, you know what? Rock out that Thermidor there. The lobster yeah. and yeah, the lobster and scalp Thermidor. That's a classic, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, but there's a little twist in there. There's some Sailor Jerry rum and a little kick up. Mm. And, but you know what? Also, there's our lobster famous Caesar in there, and you can't go wrong with cocktails and around the holiday time. No, you can't. It's like the best of two worlds, basically. That's it. Uh, well, thank you for your time. Uh, congratulations. Thank you very much. And I was, I'll say good luck. I, you don't really need it, but uh, good luck with your with your tour because it's going to be a good time. Luck. Thank you, Pat. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. So that's Matt, Pet, uh, Matt Pettit, chef and owner of Rock Lobster Food. The Great Lobster Cookbook from Claw to Tail is out now. You can look for it. Rocklobster.com is a website. Uh, coming up next, it's time for a makeover for your medicine cabinet. Do you have any idea what's in there? And also... Are some of those medications doing you more harm than good? I'll talk to a shopper's drug pharmacist to set things straight for you. You're listening to The Pay 10 Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010.
You're listening to the all-new Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. All I want now is some lobster or some chatter after talking to uh, Matt Pettit from uh, Brock Lobster Food in Toronto. They've got a couple of locations. Um, now, when was the last time you gave your medicine cabinet a makeover? Now that we're heading into the well-known cold and flu season, it might be a good time to make sure you're stocked with the essentials so that you're prepared. Uh, Victor Wong is a shopper's drug mart pharmacist. He's on the phone right now. Hi, Victor. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well, and I'm really, you know, I'm curious to know what you're going to tell me because I have a feeling I've been doing a lot of things wrong (laughs) (laughs) because I basically buy things when I need them desperately, and then I shove them into my medicine cabinet, but I rarely take stock of that. Right. So why is it important that we do this? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting you mentioned that because I've actually gone through medicine cabinets before, and I found items that have expired for over a decade. No joke. I went through my parents' medicine cabinet when I was home in Halifax, and my parents have things in there that you can't even read the packaging anymore. <laughs> it's so old. But yet I'm kind of guilty of that, too. You know, I've got things that are old. It's like I just I hang on to it. I'm not quite sure why I do That's that. Right. Yeah. But um, so, so we should be clearing things out. Right. You want to make sure your medicine cabinet has all items that are safe, and you want to make sure it's well-stocked. So that means going through all your items and making sure that um, – you know, they're not expired. And you want to make sure that you have any items there ready for any medical situations that mm-hmm. can come up at any time. So what are some of these essentials? Like what should everyone have in their medicine cabinet, like just in case of emergency? Right. So some key essential things uh, would be, for instance, uh, something for fever and for pain. So you want to have something called ibuprofen or acetaminophen. Mm-hmm. So it's commonly known as Advil or Tylenol. You want to have something for the stomach, like antacids, and also some first aid items like Band-Aids, antiseptic wound washes, and also a thermometer, just, um, you know, so you can tell if anyone has a fever. Um, And, you know, as an aside, technology has come so far now. So whereas before we would have those analog thermometers where we'd actually have Mm -hmm. to read the numbers, um, the new ones now, like the Life Brand digital thermometer, Mm -hmm. actually have built-in fever indicators. So if you actually use it, and a person has a fever, it'll actually flash red. So you don't even oh, have really? to get Yeah, it's really, really useful. You know what? I don't have a thermometer. I remember, of course, my mom always having one when I was a kid. But I still do that thing where I touch my forehead to yeah. feel if it's hot. <laughs> and then I self-diagnose. Right, and right. I go, oh, I must have a fever and I shouldn't get out of bed. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, but now that you mentioned that, too, yeah. I mean, now that we're entering into cold and flu season, mm-hmm. um, you also also want to have something to address any symptoms that you, you have if you actually come down with cold and flu. Um, like nasal sprays, vaporizers, lozenges, um, and also make sure that you get your annual flu shot. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. free right now at any pharmacy. You just have to bring in your health card, and it can really go a long way in in really preventing any illness um, for the next few months. So a smart thing to be doing uh, now will be the time to do it. For sure. Now, how often should we clean out our medicine cabinet? Since I touched upon the fact that I never really do that, I just jam everything in there. Yeah, I usually recommend cleaning it at least twice a year. So one easy way to remember is to clean it up um, in in the beginning of the year with Mm -hmm. spring cleaning. And the second time in the latter half of the year, around this time, around back to school or flu season, just to make sure that you have all the essentials on hand. So um, the other thing is, and because I never really do this, is getting rid of our expired or unused medication. So let's say we clean our medicine cabinet out twice a year, as you suggested. Right. So we're looking through and, and deciding that, okay, this, is, this isn't good anymore. It's been expired for two years or whatever. Um, so I may have thrown 
old pills in the garbage. Yeah. But I've heard, I actually did hear that this was something we shouldn't do. So I now have this bag that I've collected of, you know, expired cough medicine or whatever. Um, but I'm not really sure what to do with it because I know it's not supposed to go in the garbage or, let's yeah. say, flush down the toilet. Yeah. So don't flush it down the toilet. Don't throw in the trash can because you don't want, you know, it getting into our environment and having animals take it and things like that. Um, instead, bring it back to any you know local shoppers drug pharmacy. Mm-hmm. We have a great free uh, medication disposal program um, where we'll take the actual medications and destroy it at a facility um, safely, so it doesn't enter the waste uh, uh, stream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's that. That makes my life easier. I just have to bring it into the shoppers drug mart, and you'll deal with it. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> um, actually, we just had a listener text in, and uh, they've got a question for you. It says, I heard the bathroom is the worst place to keep medicine because of the steam. Is this true? That is so true. And you know what the funniest thing is that we always see, like in movies and TV shows, people store it in the washroom. Mm-hmm. But it's actually the worst place to store it. And the reason is because you want to keep your medicines in a non-humid place, whereas in the washroom, as you can imagine, it's really moist, it's hot, it's humid. And the heat and the moisture can actually compromise the effectiveness of the medication. Okay. So what I recommend is instead store it somewhere dry and cooler, like a closet, a bookshelf, or your nightstand. You just got to make sure that it's away out of reach from children. Um, so, so either lock it up behind a childproof latch or just make it out of reach. Um, and also as a helpful tip, too, since we're on that topic, mm-hmm. um, try organizing your medicine cabinet. So maybe having a shelf, a different shelf for each member of the family, because sometimes you have situations oh. where um, like parents are taking the same medications, like mm-hmm. thyroid pills, yeah. um, but they're in different doses. So people are rushing in the morning trying to get mm-hmm. to work. Um, you don't want to have a situation where you accidentally grab the wrong bottle and take it, mm-hmm. um, because that can lead to, of course, medication errors. Now, uh, what do you suggest for people who take um, multiple medications regularly? Like I'm thinking of people like my dad. Sometimes I'm amazed. I open this drawer and there's all these different random pills. And I, you know, I'm not sure how, I'm not sure the best way to organize that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, sometimes you take so many medications, even if you had a PhD in rocket science, it's hard to remember like how and when to take them. Oh, good. Well, now I don't feel so bad. Yeah. (laughs) So just, uh, you know, ask your any team member or pharmacist at Shoppers Drug Mart, and there's a free medication organizer program mm-hmm. where we'll take the medications um, and arrange them in a seven-day blister pack. So um, there's slots that you can push out for the medications that are arranged from breakfast, lunch, dinner, and bedtime from Monday to Sunday. And this is really, really helpful to make sure that either yourself or your loved one takes the right medication at the right time and you never really miss a dose. All right. And yeah. um, I know that you touched a bit on pain relief. So things like you know Tylenol, Advil that people are um, familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you choose, uh, I guess, pain medication? Because I'm sometimes guilty of I'll mix them because right. I feel like one isn't working for right. this migraine. So maybe I'll take the next one. It says every four to six hours. So maybe I'll take it after four. I, hey, Victor, I'm not saying that I'm good at this, yeah. <laughs> but um, I do get a little confused, actually, about what I should be taking and which pain medication to be using. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And they're, they are confusing. There's so many types. Um, essentially, there's two types. There's one type that just helps for fever and pain, and that's acetaminophen. So that's known as Tylenol. Mm-hmm. There's a second type that's also for pain and fever, but also for inflammation too. So it can help reduce the swelling. Um, and those are things like ibuprofen, aspirin, and naproxen. And um, the way to decide really is whether or not you have swelling. So if, if you have swelling, go for the latter ones I just mentioned. If it's mm-hmm. just pain and fever, go for the Tylenol. So, okay. So, cause they come in and they also come in different format. They come in different 
pill forms too, like gel caps or things like that. I get sometimes a little bit confused because there's just so many options. Right, exactly. There's so many different options, so hard to choose. Um, so you want to make sure that um, if it's something that can upset the stomach, like ibuprofen or naproxen, that they're enteric coated. What does uh, that these mean? Will, yeah, they have a special coating that will protect the stomach. Um, so it dissolves in the intestines, not in the stomach. Um, and also there's versions that are coated and uncoated, so they're easier to swallow. Because a lot of people have a hard time swallowing really big pills. Mm-hmm. Um, and lastly, there are ones that are rapid dissolving or gel caps, and these work a lot faster than the normal tablets. But if you have any questions about these, be sure to ask your pharmacist. I mean, that's the reason why we're there. Um, we will help uh, you choose the right medications for you. Now, what's the best time to be taking these? So taking a, uh, like a pain medication, should you be waiting? And, because uh, sometimes I feel like something is coming on and then I wait. Right, right. And you know, that's absolutely a phenomenal question. A lot of people think that if they can avoid taking painkillers, they will. Uh, because they think that taking painkillers is bad and they want to really suck it up. But studies have actually shown that if you let pain um, last for too long, the pain actually becomes chronic and it becomes even worse and harder to treat in the future. So the moment you have any pain, um, whether it's in the limbs or the headache, things like that, treat it right away. Uh, If you treat it right away, um, it won't get worse. Okay. So, of course, if people are unsure, they can always ask uh, the pharmacist at Shoppers Drug Mart. Just when you're in doubt, ask. That's right. We're <laughs> here to help, and we would love to answer any of your questions. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Victor. You really, uh, you've really taught me a lot. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to get rid of those uh, expired medications. I really appreciate your time tonight. Certainly a pleasure. That's Victor Wong. He's a pharmacist with Shoppers Drug Mart. If you want to find out more information about the things that Victor talked about, shoppersdrugmart.ca is the website. Uh, coming up after the break, a solution to your sad desk lunch. And even better, you don't have to leave the office now that the weather is getting colder. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. If you missed a show want to catch up on the podcast you can do so on my website it's paychen.com this is the all-new pay chen show on in-depth radio news talk 1010 Welcome back. Hope you're enjoying that uh, extra hour that we got today. Although, like I said off the top of the show, people who have pets or children didn't love daylight savings time all that much. Because dogs and babies can't tell time and they don't care that you're supposed to have an extra hour of sleep. Uh, A Vancouver company has made its way to Toronto. Their mission is to ensure you don't have any more of these sad, boring meals at work. On the line, I have Ryan Spong. He's the co-founder of Foodie, which is spelled F-O-O-D-E-E. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Pei. So I, I see that you call Foodie a corporate food concierge. What does that mean? Yeah, so um, so basically what Foodie does is uh, we partner with best-in-class restaurants uh, in the city and bring the food to corporate offices. So, um, you know, the real uh, value of it is for folks that are tasked with ordering food for the office, uh, sometimes they may or may not know anything about uh, food. Mm-hmm. And so we basically have a team of concierges that you can call, email, or use the web app um, to spice up your lunch. So this is really targeted towards, um, I guess a lot of offices will have lunch meetings, sometimes for a smaller group. But then I 
have worked in places where they have like town hall meetings or, you know, every couple of months they get everybody together and they serve us soggy sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, there's a variety of, uh, you know, uh, ways that uh, food enters the office. Sometimes it's, uh, it's for meetings or for, uh, you, know, you know, in some cases our clients serve their staff every day. Uh, in other ways, we're like a bolt-on kind of Google cafe mm-hmm. uh, for people that want to attract and retain uh, high-quality talent. So now, is this an option for people who just, let's say, um, they get a few people together in the office and they say, you know what, let's order out for lunch today. Is that an option? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we see folks uh, in as small groups as four or five uh, that get together and we'll place orders, uh, you know, at, at our our URL is actually food.ee. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we, you know, essentially function as the sort of the, the foodie for for the office when you need advice. But, uh, yeah, people use that uh, that web app just in small teams. Uh, it's not just the when the company pays. It's, it's <laughs> Even uh, when you pay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's, a, it's an option for people who, I guess, are um, – maybe don't want to leave their desk, can't leave their desk, but still need to grab lunch. And usually wherever you work, you've pretty much exhausted all of your options within like a three block radius. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, I spent 10 years in uh, finance in in Vancouver, Toronto, and in New York. And uh, it was a busy enough job. I could never leave my desk for lunch or for dinner, let alone try to get down, eat and get back. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to go to a place that had a lineup at lunch that was remotely popular, you couldn't do it. And you just couldn't wait in the line. So one of our taglines is, you know, skip the line. Right. Um, my personal belief is that if you're uh, in a situation where you have to work through lunch, you have to work through dinner, that at the very least it should be good and, and good for you too. We, we have an eye to food that's, um, you know, whole foods in general mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, an alternative to sort of greasy takeout. Because you've partnered with some uh, some pretty great restaurants in the city. I was a little surprised when I read the list. Yeah, thanks. I mean, in Vancouver, we've got a really great roster. You know, we've been here operating for a year. Mm-hmm. So we've got 40 or so restaurants and best in class really across the board from tacos and pizza. Uh, you know, we, we tend to partner with uh, with the high-end versions of everything. Uh, in Toronto, we've launched with just under 30 restaurants and, and that'll probably go up to about 60. Uh, and so, yeah, we're really happy with the, with the folks that we're working with uh, right now. Uh, the pantry uh, has been great from the food dudes. Uh, we're also working with the folks from Parts and Labor. Uh, and then uh, IQ Foods, Fresh, uh, you know, Japango, a bunch of bunch of great uh, providers. Yeah, a lot of restaurants that um, I would normally associate with perhaps a food delivery company. So it's nice to know that this is a new option uh, for people. So how does it work? Somebody has to place an order, obviously. Yeah, that's right. So you just uh, you go onto the website, which mm-hmm. is food.ee, and uh, you go to Toronto and select from one of those restaurants. You you order it straight out of the app. Uh, if you're if it's a high anxiety kind of moment where you're you're ordering for 30 people, and this is really you know what you drill down to is that for the person that's in charge of ordering food for say a bunch of their bosses, mm-hmm. uh, this is a really high anxiety moment. You know you don't want takeout that's going to be late. You don't want something that's boring that's going to you know, they're going to be murmuring under their breath about. So um, you can actually call in, speak to somebody on our concierge team, and they'll walk you through it. Even the first few orders, if you want, you know, you can speak to somebody, walk through it. And then when you get comfortable enough with the with the website, you start putting it in yourself. But 
Okay. Yeah, so- and then we basically, uh, you know, the, the service essentially is it's a bolt-on corporate caterer for restaurants that don't deliver already. So mm-hmm. if you're a restaurant and you thought, well, I'd like to get into this business, but I don't want to hire a truck, a driver, all the overhead sales staff, you know, we do all that for them. So. Because you've partnered with restaurants that are sort of, they're smaller and they, you know, they're busy as it is because they're, they're well known. So they don't typically do delivery. Exactly. And we're also, you know, we're not a consumer ordering app. Like some of the competitors maybe would give a restaurant one or two orders in the middle of their lunch rush. We're sort of a different deal. We do big orders and we have to pick it up and be out of the way uh, before they even open their doors for lunch. So it's a really great service for restaurants as, as well. All right. Well, it sounds great. Um, and you've, so you've just expanded into Toronto, but you've already been in Vancouver for a little while. Yeah, that's right. We've been here for a year. We launched our service uh, last week in Toronto. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, we've got lots of great clients already and, and uh, businesses is uh, going strong already. Great. But, so uh, if someone's in charge of ordering lunch at the office, which can be very stressful, <laughs> this will make their lives a little <laughs> bit easier. Um, that's great. Thank you so much, Ryan. Okay, well, thanks for having me, Pei. That's Ryan Spong. He's from Foodie. And uh, if you want to find out more, the website is food.ee. A little bit different, actually, for a website. Um, I want to get your take on this. Elliot, you as well. Elliot is my technical producer. I'm going to bounce this off him. I had to. Okay. I bought something um, at the dollar store, and I don't need it, actually. Um, it was $2.00. Actually, it was, it was things at the dollar store aren't even a dollar anymore. First of all, that's my pet peeve. So that's I picked true. it up. And uh, it's because I needed some Christmas decoration because now now that Halloween is over, all the you know, TV stuff that I do is holiday related. So I needed some Christmas decorations. And I went into the dollar store on October 30th. And, of course, that was stupid because there was really no holiday stuff in there. So I went in uh, yesterday and I had to buy some like fake garland stuff. And I'm like, oh, everything's a dollar. I'll just pick it up. Who cares? Um, but this particular thing was $2.25. And then I got home and I realized that I don't need it. And uh, I actually thought about returning it. Does that make me a loser? Uh, you're, you're asking me? Yeah. I'm um, asking people too. You can text me at 71010. But be nice about it if you think it's lame. The only reason I thought about taking it back was because I don't need it. You are trying to return an item that was uh, very low in cost to uh, a low cost store. I don't even know if they have such a policy for returns. Do, you, do they? I don't know if they accept returns. Yeah. They might it's say. It's not food. Which might be something that you wouldn't want to accept, even though all their food is packaged. Yeah. It's, it's fake garland. Uh, you know what? It's like, I don't, it wasn't even so much that I care about the $2.25. Right. It's just that it's sitting in my condo, which is very small. And I'm like, I don't, I don't need this. Yes. I, I'd imagine, I really am curious, actually, if they would be like, you know, look at the price, you know, just kind of, <laughs> just kind of deal run. with it. Yeah. Deal with it sort of thing. Because when I go and buy groceries and I end up with something that like goes bad or I don't use it, I just go, well, whatever. I don't return things to the grocery store. Which, which I would warrant uh, could be returned. Um, you know, food is serious. Food is serious. As we all know. I'm serious about food. I wouldn't call you a loser pay. Uh, we've Thanks. known each other a while now, so I wouldn't do that. But um, you also wouldn't suggest that I go back and return 
an item that was $2.25 from the dollar store. I would give it a shot. I'm actually very curious, and maybe you can report back next week. You know what? What will happen is that there'll be a big, long lineup, and I'll make a case for it, and people will be so angry with me and giving me the stink eye because I'm taking up time at the crash register, and someone's going to say, this girl was in there trying to return this thing that was $2.25 at the dollar store. Well, this is it. Like, I was in Metro earlier, and they have a counter just for that sort of stuff for customer service. I've never seen that in Dollarama. There is no customer service desk at Dollarama. Yes. Mark my words. Yeah, it's like there's the exit. Just leave <laughs> with there's everything the exit. you bought. That's it. Um, you know, there's a story this weekend that really made me angry. It was about an 89-year-old woman who was giving out poppies at a hospital in Montreal. And she's been doing this for 30 years in honor of her soldier dad. And she turned around for a brief moment. Someone stole her poppy donation box. Police estimate there's about $300 in there. Um, And the story was played a lot over the weekend um, on CP24. And those kind of stories really make me angry. First of all, she's 89 years old. Second of all, she's volunteering her time to raise money by giving out poppies and accepting donations. Third, you are stealing from a charity. So what kind of monster are you? So this is the thing. I said to a friend of mine um, that I said, you know what? There should be harsher punishments for people who steal from charities. Because a lot of times, especially when you steal a donation box, it's not thousands of dollars. You know, it could be $50 in there, maybe $100. The sum is not a lot. It could be less than... Let's say you stole someone's wallet at a concert. I don't agree with that either. I think that's a terrible thing to do. But for some reason, stealing a donation box, stealing from charity makes me so angry that I said to my friend, you know what, they should, there should be harsher punishments for that no matter the amount. My friend was like, well, no, because like theft of a certain amount is, is theft of that amount. It should be treated the same. Text me at 71010 and tell me if you think I'm right, which is a very unbiased way of soliciting for support and text messages. Um, But uh, so my friend was being very diplomatic, you know? Well, if you steal $50, you steal $50, you're probably just going to slap on the wrist. So anyway, I am curious to know what you think. If, If we could, should we impose harsher punishments on people who steal from charities or stealing just stealing no matter what? Uh, you may notice as well that uh, Vinny White has not popped into studio. He's actually away this weekend, um, having a grand old time somewhere. So he's not in here. He's not here for us to argue. But um, I really hope that everyone agrees with me. Seven ten ten. If you think that people should be punished more harshly if they steal from a charity. I will just say that I'm right. Um, Someone just texted me and said that dollar stores do not allow returns. Oh, no. There we go. I'm screwed. I've got, I have a fake Christmas garland. If anyone needs it, I will give it to you for free. Uh, Paychen.com is the website. Uh, If you want to catch up on the podcast, um, check it out. Twitter and Instagram. Also, Paychen. Very easy to remember. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Really appreciate it, everyone. I hope you have a great, safe week with this uh, extra hour. Um, Be careful out there. And I'll be back next Sunday.